This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of The Perilous Fight, Overcoming Our Culture's War on the American Family, written and narrated by retired neurosurgeon and politician Dr. Ben Carson. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pastor Mike, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a Black Christian Collective. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter at Burns23, follow at your own risk. And joining me as always is the president of The Witness, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Blue Check Verified himself, Jamar Tisby. What's going on, brother? Hey, always good to be back on the mic, and I am still loving it when you say The Witness, a Black Christian Collective. That sounds so nice. Absolutely. Yes. If you guys have failed to listen to the previous few episodes and you just came on, you need to go back a couple of episodes, listen to all the great announcements that we have given you guys. We have a new name, of course, and we want you guys never to forget that. And also all the great podcasts, the Pass the Mic Tour, all these other things that are coming in 2018. As always, you can support our podcast by going to patreon.com forward slash pass the mic. The P and the M are capitalized but patreon.com forward slash pass the mic. You can actually sow financially into what we're doing and that will make all this happen. Jamar, a year ago, we're on the cusp, I guess, uh, of 365 days of a very fateful event. And it's interesting because about a year ago, you were talking about the Trump presidency. And recently you had a shift in your life as well that I want you to bring up. And it's it's an awesome thing that I, I could not let go without congratulating you. You are now licensed and commissioned to preach the gospel. Congratulations, Jamar Tisby. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Yeah, this has been a 20-year journey. I was actually a junior in high school when I felt an internal call to preach. And so it's been a very long and winding road through um, a career in public education, through a very long time in seminary, earning an MDiv, and uh, family uh, ran, now the witness starting, all of this stuff. And finally, uh, this past Sunday was licensed through my local congregation and the elders to preach the word of God. And so it is a high calling and a weighty responsibility. Big shout out to all uh, the pastors and those who are are preaching the word faithfully week in and week out in your various ministries. Uh, I know what a big task that is. But yeah, it happened. <laughs> um, not the way I expected it to, but but very mm-hmm. grateful for the opportunity. Man, congratulations, brother. That's an exciting thing. And good to have another another prophetic voice added to the role uh, of pastors who are preaching the gospel, ministers who are proclaiming the mysteries of God. So shout out hey, to you, man. man. I'm just trying to be a witness. <laughs> Can I get a witness? Anyway, so yeah, you... you see what I did there? <laughs> absolutely. I like that. That's very good. So... We were talking about it, just I hinted at it a year later, the Trump presidency. A year previously, you did this really incendiary podcast, (laughs) in many people's estimation, about how you felt an immediate reaction about 
um, Donald Trump's election. And a year later, I mean, I guess we just have to lead off by saying we tried to tell y'all, right, Jamar? I mean, there's really we nothing else to say. Ancient African-American proverb. We tried to tell you. Um. <laughs> now, how you feeling a year later? Because, you know, we're laughing. I think this is trauma laughter, as Dr. Christina Edmondson would say, yes. because I think we are feeling very emotionally drained, exhausted, uh, maybe even a little betrayed in some ways by the broader church context, uh, feeling frustrated. Man, how are you feeling? I, I guess I'm, I may be speaking just for myself, but- this is a, a, a situation that still, it continues to escalate, continues to deepen, it continues to be problematic. And, and I, every day, kind of wake up and say, how did we get here? How did we get to this particular presidency, this particular level of leadership or lack thereof? How did we get here? Is that how you're feeling, Jamar? To be honest, I'm fired up. <laughs> I'm angry. Uh I was mm. I was going back, you know, Facebook has these like memories that pop up uh, every so often. And so a couple articles popped up from about the election time where it was getting quotes from Christians or, or various folks. And, and I was in a couple of these things. I was reading back over what I wrote and what others wrote. And I'm just like, why did we get so much pushback? Why did we get so much flack? There, there's n- only been confirmation in the past 365 plus days of this presidency, of what women right. were saying, of what minorities were saying, of what refugees, what w- Muslims were saying. And and I just, it, it angers me that when we're thinking about issues of politics and public justice uh, from so many Christians, particularly white evangelicals, unfortunately, uh, there is a dismissal of the people who are most negatively affected by the mm. worst ills of our society, be that racism, sexism, misogyny, xenophobia, whatever it is, the people who are most adversely affected by those things are saying, here's how it here's how it hurts. <laughs> and folks are just right. totally disregarding that. And I think we've seen that played out again and again and again in different policies, statements, elections that have happened since then. So yeah, man, it's uh I wish it had I wish I had been wrong, but unfortunately right. it, it doesn't take a, a a profit to see that this was coming. You know, it's it's interesting, Jamar, because the the moment that got me was Jeff Sessions, um his role in the cabinet and his position within the cabinet. It really deeply affected me when all the the things that we have been saying for years, which is that there needs to be at least, very least, at the very least, bare minimum, oversight and study and investigation into police departments in major cities. Just oversight, investigation. And the previous attorney generals had, uh, attorneys general had done that and initiated that investigation. And then when Jeff Sessions got into the into his role, it stopped. And if there was a moment that set me off, if there was a moment that made me upset, that said, it's just bare minimum investigation, just gathering information, gathering facts, gathering data. We can't even do that, bro. (laughs) I'm, I'm sitting back. I'm like, we're set back from what we've spent three years trying to institute. You think of all the activists who are trying to get things done, boots on the ground, all these panels. And this is kind of a personal frustration for me. We did all these panels. We did all these talks. We did all these dinners, all these lunches, all these coffees. 
for some person podcasts. to get in and just immediately all these podcasts for some someone just to get in and just pull the rug out. And just say, ah, oh, now nah, you know what? We're not going to worry about it. And if and people were asking me, what is your big worry? You think this man's going to take you back to the 60s? What's your big worry? What's your big fear? Or as Trump said himself, what do you have to lose? This is what we have to lose. Our basic human dignity and decency. This is what we have to lose. And we've lost decency, man. And it's that was the part that still looking back on it frustrates me to no end that a simple investigation into a law enforcement entity cannot even be conducted now. Bro, I'm struggling. I'm struggling, man. We're still here and we still got to, man, what are we, what are we doing, bro? What's going on, man? This is where we're at. We're still here. (laughs) He said, first of all, first of all, you know, people are going to want to lump us into this angry black man trope, which is just a deflection to not listen to sort of legitimate voicing of concerns or or, or what have you. Um, but I think there's a time and there's certainly a place for righteous indignation at injustice, right? That's what it is. It's, it's, it's not necessarily directed at particular individuals. It's the injustice that's occurring right. that's outrageous. Right. And what frightens me is that these things are happening so often, uh, just outrageous, outlandish um, events, particularly regarding the morality and the character of uh, our nation's leaders, whether at the federal level or the state level or beyond, that I fear we're getting desensitized to these things. Okay, so that's that, actually a point. Yes, that's a point we, yeah. need to, we need to stay there for a second. We talk about the desensitization of it. Now, this is what's interesting is, is you see in Scripture – that things, and I don't know necessarily know if I'd, I'd classify it as a slippery slope because I think people tend to think of slippery slopes in different ways, like culturally. But you see a, a pattern of progressive desensitization that happens with people who allow things around them, evil things around them, to consistently happen. And this this happened. I mean, it, it just it isn't just a, a 2016 thing. You know, this is decades old, right? This is decades old. This happened in our country since its founding. And then if you talk about, you know, 1968, where we get some semblance of people saying, okay, well, now we're getting some sort of equality, some sort of integration in America, we speak ethnically, we're still seeing the progressive desensitization now to the point where we can watch people get shot and killed and and pick apart and analyze what they should have done, what they shouldn't have done, how they should have acted, how they shouldn't have acted. And now we're getting to a place where people can lie to us. They can tell us things that we can verify are false. What was interesting about this election and this collusion with the Russian government is it it has, I think, heavy implications for how we do ministry, how we preach the gospel, what we say to people, because now we're having to clarify what truth is. Now we're having to clarify what facts are. Now we're having to clarify what a falsehood is, what a lie is. And what they did is these bots and, and, other, uh, and other entities that were trying to sow division would actually say things that weren't true, <laughs> would actually just lie, or would actually just put something incendiary on there, and it would divide people. It would polarize people. It would separate people. And now what we're saying is people are actually falling and doubling down into the lies. Now they're saying they don't want the truth. 
Oh, no, no, no. We don't want the truth. No, tell us. No, we like the darkness because our deeds are dark. <laughs> you just sitting back like, huh? So mm. now people can say, oh, it's a smear campaign. It's this, it's that. Oh, someone accused me of this. Oh, don't believe her. Don't believe her because it's always a her, right? Don't believe her. Mm-hmm. Don't believe what she says. Oh, come on. Yo, are you serious? Oh, she works for the other side. She does this. She does that. And we attack, we attack people's character and, and only to preserve a veneer, only to preserve the idea that we are pure and exceptional. Man, how dangerous is that, bro? And how does the so church bad. need to now speak into that, bro? That moral desensitization. I mean, it is an opportunity for the church to 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 speak truth. But honestly, a, a certain segment of the church has discredited a lot of Christianity, all of Christianity for certain people. And so we got to think mm-hmm. of it as souls, the fate of souls and their eternity. Let's put it right out there and be honest. There are people who are lost to hell because of our witness as Christians in America, particularly as it comes to politics. And I think we need to think in those terms that that mm-hmm. our behavior externally toward people who don't believe the gospel yet can consign them to hell because the witness that we're giving is so abominable that we would approve mm-hmm. abominable works, that we would approve of injustice, and not only approve of it, that we would celebrate it sometimes. And I'm not right. saying that we need to be perfect all the time. Nobody can do that. But 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 we're in a climate now where it's easy to see the lies. It's easy to see the 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 the, the flat out meanness that's happening right. sometimes. And yet we still don't come out forcefully enough against it. And I realize, you know, somebody's out there saying, well, not all Christians, right? I get it. But it's enough of us that it discredits our gospel witness. And so we've got to strongly discredit these things, not only in public, but in private, right? In our homogenous churches, right? Um, And I think if we attack it with the urgency of evangelists. Bro, bro, we feel the brunt of this. Black Christians feel the brunt of this because here's the issue. When we say we are Christians, when we say we are followers of Jesus, we are followers of Jesus with a very large, diverse global body. And that includes American Christians that we cannot get away from. We cannot kick them out of the fellowship. And their actions will affect us as we minute. I have had practical conversations with people saying, yo, you guys are the ones trying to convince them like, yo, man, come through, hear the gospel. Man, this is a brand new family. Man, yo, I don't want to be in a family where, yo, you got these people in your, what? What are you talking about? Christians? Man, don't nobody want to. And so, yes, we do have to hold up the true and proper representation of biblical Christianity, but it makes it that much harder when we see so many examples of people who claim to be Bible-believing Christians, but misuse it, misrepresent it, misapply it. And so that that comes back on us. We say, not all Christians. What you mean? <laughs> like, you think you're going to go into a vacuum where people don't know the history about evangelicals? You think people don't know anymore? There are too many articles. There have been too many posts. There have been too many videos. People know. And so now what we have to do is we got to clean house within the church. Mm. We have to clean house within our own family because the people who are watching on the outside are like, man, y'all have no moral credibility to tell us anything about morality, what's right and what's wrong when you guys are acting this way. So it comes back on us. When you see people say, not all Christians, man, this comes back on all of us, bro. 
And I wonder if, if, and don't get me wrong, I don't want to seem to imply that this is not happening at all, but black Christians have historically been, you know, had a very high view of the Bible, been, uh, you know, very uh, traditional and, and faithful in their beliefs, and yet very socially progressive, uh, particularly when it comes to issues of race and uh, supporting the poor and things of that nature. Certainly, that's a blanket statement, and there are always exceptions, but still, we have a voice. And I'm just like, it seems to me that in the public square, there's there's only two kinds of Christians that media tends to uh, give any airtime to. It's either Christians who are they're white evangelicals and and particularly bad representations at that, the most extreme folks. And honestly, I think we need to bring back the language of fundamentalism because I think a lot of the times folks mm. are are labeling people as evangelicals when it's probably even more accurate to say they're fundamentalists. Uh, in their beliefs right. and the way they hold to things, um, and then of course the other side is is sort of this uh, very broad kind of spiritual, and they may or may not be Christians, but they're people of faith, you know. But what mm -hmm. is not represented, in my view, frustratingly so, is sort of your everyday black Christian or or minority Christians in general, and the voice that we have because we know the social and cultural experience of being minorities in America and what that means. At the same time, we're serious about our faith and we have something to say. So, I mean, that's partly why we're doing Pass the Mic. That's partly why we have the witness is I think we need this these voices, particularly from Christians, to stand up and say, hey, there are some policies and, 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 and laws that are not good for people who don't have social and cultural power at the same time. Right. We stand for life. We stand for uh, all of these things that the Bible teaches us, and we deserve a voice in the public square as well. So, sure. I don't know. Yeah, maybe we all need to get on our our soapbox a little bit more. Um, even better, have more action, running for office, voting, those kinds of things. But we out you. Yeah, I think it's been an exhaustion, man. I think that's coming. I think there's been a year of of disbelief. It's been a year of disbelief because you can't oh, believe you wake up and you're looking around and you're saying, really? Like, this is where we're at. It's just a new thing every single day, whether it's a political ploy or not. Like some people say, that's a publicity stunt trying to distract you from laws that are being passed or things that are happening. I don't really even care because I don't think we, history is going to look back on this time and say, what were you guys thinking? Because it doesn't matter what the publicity stunt is. It doesn't matter what the... The, the next tweet is, it doesn't matter what the next thread may be. This is slowly, well, actually rapidly eroding our credibility. Is rapidly eroding our credibility. And consistently, like there are people, and this is the thing, there are Christians that still, we still have Christians, famous churches, famous pastors, still going to the mat for our president. Bro, we can't, yo, Christians cannot act like this is not a bad look for us. We cannot act like, ah, well, you know, that's them. That's, yo, we have to make a clear line of demarcation that this is not the Bible, that whatever they are preaching, whatever they are saying, whatever they are doing, that's not biblical Christianity. They are out of step with what the Bible teaches and they should be held accountable for that. And we might not be able to force accountability in that area, but we need to publicly say that does not represent Christianity. 
whatever that is, that's nationalism, that's Americanity. I don't know what next term we need to come up with, but that is not Christian witness. And if we don't do that, mm-hmm. what we're doing is we're consigning our our children and their children to um, you know lifetimes of distance from the church because our name is so tainted. And, and I think we need to get our identities in order, right? Typically, we talk about identities. We're talking about racial identity and our Christian identity and, and, and how the Christian identity needs to be foundational and, 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 and be over all of it. We also need to get our identities as citizens in order because we are first and foremost citizens of the heavenly kingdom, even though the kingdom hasn't been fully realized yet on this yep. earth. Yep. We are still first and foremost citizens of the heavenly kingdom and subjects to the high king, right? And 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 secondarily only, we are citizens of this earthly kingdom. In this case, the 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 United States, right? And and so we should exercise our civic duty. We should be responsible citizens. We should be the best of citizens. But that comes as subordinate to our identity as citizens of the kingdom of God. And I think a lot of people and and this is all Christians, right? This is not just the far right or the far left or whatever, but we can all have a tendency to have those disordered priorita- priorities and those disordered uh, 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 identities, as, uh, as, as you could say. So we need to get these identities in order, and we need to realize some things that, number one, when we look back on our life, we want to be able to say that we did everything we could for God. We did everything before the face of God. And how we voted, uh, what we spoke out against, what we didn't speak out against, we we did that before the face of God as our primary uh, allegiance. But secondly, we also have to realize that Christianity has traditionally worked from the margins has traditionally been most potent and most effective when it didn't have institutional power, when it wasn't in the the government or what have you. And I think that makes a lot of us uncomfortable because we have actually placed our faith in the comfort and security of political power rather than in the Prince of Peace. And so we got to get those priorities correct and, 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 and actually realize that we may not have our preferred candidate in office. As a matter of fact, they may take away our tax-exempt status. They may marginalize us for our views on this issue or that issue. But you know what? That's okay, because God's got mm-hmm. us. And I think we need to get over yeah. this fear of not having you know, power in terms of American politics and actually press into the power that the Holy Spirit gives us through faith in Christ. And that's how we yeah. need to act as citizens of this kingdom, which is by realizing the power and the strength that we have as citizens of the heavenly kingdom. I mean, that's what I'm that's trying right. to work through. Absolutely, man. That's a good word, bro. I think also there is a dominant cultural script and every dominant culture, majority culture has it. It's a dominant cultural script that says this is the way things have to be. This is the way we are supposed to act. And I think it is the job of Christian prophets. It is a job of believers and citizens of that heavenly kingdom to stand up and offer an alternative script. And it is going to take years for us to consistently do that, to repair the damage that has even been done, even in one night. But we need to consistently offer the different script, the script of who Jesus actually is, of what he came to institute on this earth. 
that he came to make all things new. And that includes relationships, that includes our our um, advocacy for those who are the least of these, who are on the margins, our solidarity, all these things we need to recover and promote a different script. And I think there is going to be a challenge for us that when we, whenever that is, four years, eight years, or, or three years, you know, seven years, who, whatever it is, whenever 45 is no longer in office, we are going to think that we've won or we're going to think that it's over. It's not over. Right. He just brought to light and the surface an inevitable reckoning of the people who had, as you would say, very wisely, I think, syncretized you know, Christianity with American exceptionalism and nationalism. That is, it's just been brought to the surface and it's just been galvanized in ways that it hadn't been before. But the reality of the matter is that the sentiment will still exist. It will still be around us. And for those of us in certain regions of the country, it'll be stronger than it's ever been. We have to become experts at presenting a new script, a script that says, you know, American exceptionalism and institutionalism and this idolatry that we have, it's going to kill us. It is, it is an abomination to the Lord. We need to be stronger than what we're being right now. And I have a feeling that that will come in the next year or so, but this past year has been a year of disbelief. But Jamar, we have to present people with a different script. And I think that you know, Black Christianity is unique in that regard because that's our history, that a true representation of the Black Christian tradition and the heritage of the Black Christian tradition is to present an alternate way of living, an alternate way of being, an alternate reality, an alternate identity than the dominant cultural identity and reality, which which tries to impose on us. This is the way it must be. You must have mass shootings every every day because this is the way it must be. You must allow people um, in positions of power to get away with gross overreach and sexual violence because this is just the way that it is, because it's a political reality. It's a smear campaign. Come on, you know this. It's it's just shocking. This is a cultural narrative that we as Christians must reject. We must right. present and, and a different script. You bring up a great point is that this isn't new. I mean, the current president and, and some things happening right now may have highlighted it, may have exacerbated it, but these fault lines were already present. Um, these fault lines were already present. This is not that that these rifts and divisions and, and these outrages are 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 novel to the human experience, much less the American experience. It's just that we're seeing those lines more clearly now. And I think what's happening, and many have said this, is there's a winnowing. There's a winnowing of the church. There is uh, a culling of people who want to claim Christianity in name only, or want to claim a particular definition of Christianity that's actually not biblical. And uh, I think we need to be prepared to be in the minority in terms of numbers. Um, I think if folks are are kind of waiting expectantly for for you know all Christians or all people who call themselves Christians to have this sudden awakening and whatnot, I, you know, praise the Lord if it happens, but it may not, <laughs> and we might be a yeah. very small number that is called to do very great things in the name of God. And so again, it goes back to courage, right? It goes back to leaning on the Father to transcend our fear of powerlessness and and minority status as believers and 
leaning into the promises that he's already given us in Jesus Christ, which he's never going to leave us, right. he's never going to forsake us, that that the gates of hell aren't going to prevail against his church. And so we can stand for truth, we can stand for righteousness, we can stand for justice, and 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 say, what can man do to me? I mean, the worst they can do is kill you, right. and then to go home is to be with the Lord. So so right. what are we really afraid of here? Um, right. But I also think, I mean, Absolutely. we, we got to think politically too, right? This is one of the, the most frustrating Uh-oh, things. Uh-oh, Jamar, here you go, election. here you go, Uh-oh. Jamar. <laughs> Yeah, you we go. Just, look, we got to deal with the reality that we're giving, uh, given, and we had so many folks making false equivalencies uh, between candidates. And I'm not saying either one was great, but look, I mean, look who we got, right? I'm, I know it's going to, whatever. I know people are going to agree with me. That's fine. All I'm saying is vote for who you vote for, but realize at a national level and in, and in many other levels, we've got a two party system. And if you, uh, unless you're going to vote third party every time or abstain, you're going to have to pick one of them. And I think in our current climate, there's there's a party that that because of its leader nationally is very, very, very problematic. I mean, can we agree? I know I'm going to get pushback on that, but that's 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 mind boggling to me uh, that that, that, that we would get pushback on that. And we just got to realize that. But that goes for both sides. Right. Like there's got to be room. In the party, in in whatever party, for faithful Christians, there's just got to be because we're not all like the folks you see in the news who are just sort of, um, you know, baptizing evil as good and and acting in ways that are clearly hypocritical. If that's your only conception of Christianity, and because of that, you say you can't be in this political party because of your stances on this issue or that issue, or because of those people saying that, that's not going to work either. So we just got to be, we've got to find a way for Christians, faithful Christians, and average Americans to, to participate in the political system without having to. You know, you may choose to go to extremes, but you, there's got to be a way to participate without being required to go to one extreme or the other. That's what's burdens me hmm. right now. Man, Jamar. Whew. I don't know. Boy. <laughs> I'm not a politician. I just, here's it's the It's an anniversary, bro, huh? <laughs> bro, look, we're Christians, right? Like, we got to right, live right. in that freedom. And that's part of what we're doing with the witness is simply trying to say we don't need to check human made boxes for our sure. validation, for mm-hmm. our righteousness. Absolutely. We get that from God Himself, imputed to us through faith in Jesus Christ. So I just don't want to look back and say, oh man, I wish I had been bolder. I wish I hadn't mm, been yeah. as timid. Even in politics, which I'll tell you, even more than race, <laughs> I get mm-hmm. more. We, we get more pushback on the political stuff than we do on on anything we say about race. But so what? Like, read this word, be in community with folks, and live it out. And I'm not the perfect example. I'll tell you that I'm not. Um, but I'm just realizing more and more because of this current climate that we're in that we're going to have to choose allegiances. Choose, choose this day who Absolutely. you serve. And that's all I'm saying. Man, I think that's a good word. I think that's actually really important. You know, I've seen even locally the effects of, man, we have um, different law enforcement bodies. And I won't get into too many specifics, but we have different law enforcement bodies within 
our community and some have decided that they won't, you know, utilize body cams, <laughs> you know, just something very simple, okay. like just won't utilize body cams, you know, um, while others have decided that they will, you know, and, and I think that's a, a human dignity issue. You know, I think that's a, that's a dignity issue. That's something to press about, you know, and I haven't pressed hard enough on that. I haven't done enough research to understand what are the complexities here and what's the pressure that can be placed on them to do something that's right. You know, there, there are local politicians and people, even within my community, who have said some things that any of us will find objectionable, any of us will find extreme and still have their office. You know, what does it look like to mobilize against hateful language? You know, what does it look like to press against people who say things that are reckless and to, in some way, shape or form, ensure that there is um, a moral compass that comes or a moral call that comes from the church? You know, not to allow people who claim to be Christian or are culturally Christian or whatever that may mean to get away scot-free. And so, man, I think it's going to be important for us. I think we're waiting to be marginalized when we need to run to the margins. We're waiting to be mm. marginalized. Like we're patiently, we're, we mm. keep warning, oh man, one day you're going to get marginalized. One day it's going to happen. One day, man, you might be able to do, you might need to go. No, run to the margins. That's where Jesus is, bro. <laughs> He's hanging out there. <laughs> You know, and we trying to find him up in power. We trying to find him in some big house on 1600 Pennsylvania. He ain't going to be there. You know, he's going to be in the places where people are hurting and people need um, a word of truth and a word of grace and and a message of love. And so I think that's going to be our call, man. We got to sprint to those margins and we can't allow ourselves to get um, seduced. There are, there are political spheres. I remember, um, I forget who said it. I think it was Tanahasi. He said something like the politics, the politics of racial evasion is seductive. <laughs> he said, like the politics of racial evasion, you know, it's just the Tanahasiism. You yeah. know, he just he's got a way of putting stuff. But it was interesting because it I didn't really take that. That's true, but I didn't really take that and just dwell on. I'm like, man, there's so many, there's so many messages. There's so many um Christian ideas that are seductive, that are Christian in name only, and they're not really biblical. And these are seductive. It's colorblind. Oh man, it's just it's colorblind. Nobody cares about what. That's seductive. It's very seductive to think that. It's very seductive to assimilate. It's very seductive to think that. Oh well, we have the moral high ground on this particular side, on this particular issue, and so now that cancels out all your. That's very seductive to think that. Ooh, it's that. seductive to evade, bro. It's seductive to take one issue and raise it to more preeminence to say, this is the more morally preeminent issue. This is the one issue that we are going to harp on. And this one issue will determine our entire moral compass. It's seductive to do that. I don't think it's biblical at all. So, so I mean, the reality is we got to sprint to these margins, man. We got to stop playing around and that's going to be more difficult. And we're going to probably get more pushback, but I think that's what's most biblical. That's the way to cross, man. Now, we've been talking about this. You know, I love it, sprint to the margins. That's where Christ is, those kinds of things. But do we have anything more constructive to say than we tried to tell y'all? I mean, do we have anything practical Do we think that that, that the church needs to hear? Mm, you got to cast down your idols before we can get to practical, man. You got to destroy those idols. So I don't know. People can't kneel. Under, people can't kneel during the national anthem without us, without us flaunting our idolatry. What are we gonna tell mm. them? 
Mm. <laughs> what are we going to tell them, bro? Wow. Like, what, what is it going to be? You got people kneel, people kneel on a national anthem in respect, not sticking up a middle finger, kneel on a national anthem. And and that's we making a hay about that. And I'm seeing 150 comment Facebook threads. What? Like, what are we going to tell you? Like, practical? Bro, repent. <laughs> that's all I got. Repent and believe. That's biblical right there. Absolutely. There is a there is a posture that we need to have. We need to make sure that we're not worshiping idols. That's first and foremost, absolutely, that we're worshiping Christ and not our culture or or politics. Um, but I think there's also, along with that, a recognition that um, our works are not our righteousness. Christ is our righteousness. And so uh, we're not going to be able to do everything. Uh, we're not going to be able to fix it all, right? Because I think there's probably a lot of listeners who are on the same page and 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 really see uh, the hypocrisy that's out there among Christians and politics and want to be part of the solution, but uh, feel overwhelmed. And I think that's right and natural because the problems are massive and, and, and realize that we're finite creatures and we're not actually designed to solve all of those problems. And that's okay. But along with that is that the Lord has given us faith so that we can work, not to earn our righteousness, but because we already have it. And so we really need to tap into what has God given us a burden for, um, mm-hmm. what, what what outrages us on a consistent basis. And, and, and what that issue is for you may be different than it is for me, and that's fine. It takes the body working together. And then we got to discern well, what particular ways has God gifted and positioned us to do something about that whether it's because we have money and we can use our wealth to alleviate some issues, or it's because we have a particular position, whether in a corporation or a public office, or whether it's we have particular training uh, through through law school or, or ed school or whatever it might be, uh, whether it's just that we have a particular experience. Uh, we've been through some things and we can speak from that experience that God has gifted you to make transformative change in the in the lives of people around you somehow some kind of way and it is up to us to put some thought prayer community conversation and just plain experimentation into figuring out what's the best route for us to live out our calling in the world but mm-hmm. but make no mistake Absolutely. we all have a responsibility and we all have a civic responsibility and again this may not be you know, what is a priority issue for you and what's a priority issue for me may be different, but make sure there's some issues and make sure you know and make sure you know mm-hmm. who's who's on the ballot because politics matter. Politics affects the quality of life of people. And when, when, yeah, when, when about, God man. said through James, uh, James 2, you know, it's it's faith without works. If you say be warm and well fed, but you don't do anything to actually alleviate those physical, material, tangible needs. And so we need to be attuned to that. So I don't know, man. I don't have the solutions. Like you said, we're we're sort of like reeling. Nah, good, like, is this really happening? <laughs> but let's be part of the solution. Absolutely, man. That's a good word to end on, bro. We're not gonna we're not gonna beat y'all up, man. We got it out. So it is what it is, man. <laughs> People are like, whoa, a year like, later, yeah, bro. <laughs> We've been sitting on this a year. <laughs> now we'll we'll have a happy topic next week. Like we'll have something maybe. happy or something that's going to happen. what's going to happen. Maybe. I don't know, man. Yo, I, but I look, think a lot look, of people are y'all are, this, man. 
I think people feel us, and I think y'all know, look, this is a, a messy process. We're not positioning ourselves as experts or anything. We just, we are we are having the conversations that we'd be having if we were face-to-face with each other or with you. And it's going to be something that brings a little bit of discomfort. And I think that's good, man. That's what we're called to, bro. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.